Okay, good morning everyone. Good morning. Somebody told me to stop counting down. So I won't say anything, but you know. <laughs> okay, so we're on John chapter 12 this morning. Uh, so fantastic to see you guys. <clears throat> and so uh, where did we leave off? In John chapter 11, uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And uh, up, and that was the seventh miracle. Um, it was very personal, it was very intimate. But from a large scale standpoint, it changed everything. I mean, I mean, from this point, I mean, Jesus healing a few sick people, you know, feeding some folks, doing some miracles, you know, wow, cool, okay. But Jesus, and, and, makes sense you know raises somebody from the dead that's a game changer that's like you know it, it just changed the whole environment and now after this <clears throat> the religious leaders recognize that this guy's dangerous that if something isn't done now that their whole way of life and system is jeopardized and so i mean there's a shift of the devil of satan in their hearts and from this point forward they actually commit to and plan to kill Jesus. And so they're dialoguing in about this. Uh, from a celebrity standpoint, I mean, Jesus is off the charts now. Everyone wants to see him. I mean, there's not a single person that doesn't want to be around him. And so, you know, if there's like a trending upward, all of a sudden it's like a huge spike. The, the raising of Lazarus changed everything. The whole context, the whole environment. People now really want to kill him. People really now want to seek him even more than ever before. Uh, uh, and, and, and again, naturally so. When you bring someone back from the dead, I mean, it flips the whole script of life. And what you think is or is not possible, it's a game changer. And so that's the context uh, uh, that, that we're leaving off of in John chapter 11. We're coming into John chapter 12. Um, he's unable to, uh, uh, as they're now planning to kill Jesus, uh, they want to seize him in Jerusalem. And so at this point, now him being ever more in the public spotlight, uh, uh, Jesus decides to stay on the fringes and on the countryside now uh, to stay away. But there's this huge feast coming up, the Passover, you know, biggest event of the year, you know, throughout the whole community. And so people are wondering in the temple, they're wondering, you know, is Jesus going to come? This is the biggest thing. It'd be crazy for him to miss the Passover. And so they're in the temple. They're wondering where Jesus is. How come he's not here? How come he's not teaching? And they're wondering, man, is he going to not show up? Is, is he not going to come? And so he's staying on the countryside with the disciples. And this is where we pick up in John chapter 12. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume, perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with his hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was, because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. 
The large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there and they came, not for, the, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus who he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. And then you have a scene uh, where huge crowds, you know, mobs literally start to come in verses 12. This is where uh, 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 Palm Sunday, where they, you know, break the branches off the palm trees, lay it out, and then shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes. So this is, this is a turning point, the height of people wanting to see him, the turning point of people's hearts starting to almost uh, uh, worship him. At this point, they want to elevate him. And then also at the same time, all these uh, undercurrents moving of religious leaders who want to take his life. And then this would begin the uh, 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 leading into Jerusalem and then eventually to the crucifixion. Uh, Jesus goes on and in verse 24, and I'll read this. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servants will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You know, at this point, people are really pouring on the... uh, 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 you know, sort of uh, their affection or really pouring on, you know, their wanting to be near Jesus. So the movement that Jesus came to do, which is to save all lives and defeat sin and death, but at the same time, he's gaining quite a bit of popularity. Um, and so I think, you know, this verse is very timely because at the, at the same time, you know, he has to remain humble. He has to remain focused. You know, there's a lot of murmuring. There's a lot of Possibilities. At one point, Peter comes up to him. You know, Jesus, you know, continually reminds the disciples that he has to die, and then the God is going to raise him up. They don't understand that part. And at one point, Jesus has it clear. Peter says, "No way! I'll never let you. You know, you know, we're, we're you know, we're gonna, you're gonna be the ruler of Israel. You're gonna, you're gonna overthrow Rome. You're gonna, you're gonna bring back uh, our kingdom. You know, the way that God, the, the, the that their interpretation of what the Messiah would do. And so you have to wonder." like any temptation, you know, God has called Jesus to suffering. God has called him to walk a difficult path, to go to the cross, painfully excruciating, you know, emotionally betrayal, physically, spiritually separated from God, all that, just just the most difficult call and path to life. But at the same time, everyone's trying to convince him that it'd be good if you stayed. It'd be good if you were with us. Jesus, don't you love us? Don't you, you love Mary? You love Martha? You raised Lazarus from the dead. Look at, you know, imagine all the possibilities. <clears throat> and so at one point, Peter says, I'll never let them take you from me. Right? And what does Jesus say? Do you guys remember what he says? He says, get behind me, Satan. Um, and, 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 I'm, and I'm holding back on that because I want to get to that point later. Um, um, but you can see that people are really pining and that, and that people are really wanting Jesus to continue on and then in the middle of that, this verse comes so uh, uh, timely and reminds you know, them and he reminds the people, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And Jesus is obviously referring to himself. As, you know, certainly, <clears throat> there are a lot of things you know, productive and positive that could be done if Jesus were to stay alive. Certainly, there's, there's an argument and validity to that. 
But Jesus knows that it's when he dies that the multiplication and the fruition of so many other lives in, in him through his death and resurrection are going to come to pass. And so he really understands that he has to go to the grave in order for the ultimate good and for more life to spring forth. Um, I think this is a powerful verse. I think it's a verse that we need to kind of chew on and meditate on continually. There's so many things. There's so many things in life that God has asked us to lay down or surrender or completely die to or even give up for a season. And it's so challenging. It's so hard. You know, we have a vision. We have a picture. And, 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 and you know, we pray to God and we want God to bless these things. And sometimes God asks us, I know how much you want it. I know how important it is to you. I know how precious it is to you. But are you willing to lay that down before me? Are you willing to believe that in laying it down and, 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 and surrendering it to me, that I can bring forth even greater production or greater outcome, even outside of what we understand or what we perceive? And that's, that's the question that every believer is asked. Um, and so... Uh, the very starting off of this passage in, in the you know, very first three verses, <clears throat> Mary, the sister of uh, uh, Martha, brings this costly perfume of pure nard. And um, uh, there's a similar account of this, of a, of a separate person, of a harlot, uh, uh, and, and, you know, wipes Jesus' hair. I don't think, uh, from, at least from the, the studies I've done and from the scholars that have said that these are two different people. This is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're back together again, the family. And so Mary has this costly per, uh, perfume of pure nard. And uh, most scholars believe that it's probably about a year's worth of wages. So really precious. I mean, I mean just to put that into context, you know, do the math. What is a year's worth of wages for you? Right? What are you saving up for? Uh, a home, a mortgage, uh, uh, you know, saving up for your uh, uh, you know, future uh, plans, uh, uh, saving up to buy a place. Um, and so she takes a whole year's worth of uh, uh, salary, and, and usually these are preserved and saved for their wedding day. It's something they save up, you know, saved up. Oftentimes it could be handed down uh, uh, as, a, as a gift you know, from, from family. Uh, and so this is something that was precious to her, something she preserved, something she saved, you know, probably likely for a special event, probably likely for her wedding. And yet she anointed Jesus' feet, uh, uh, you know, and just blessed him. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance. And uh, Judas Iscariot comes and, and, you know, who was intending to betray Jesus says, this perfume uh, not sold, for, you know, uh, this, why this, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Do you guys, does this sound familiar to you? A beautiful act is done. And then someone says, you know, why couldn't this have been done for something better, a better cause, right? Um, it's another picture or example here of Jesus wanting to, uh, you, know, you know, be blessed or receive the blessing. And then someone brings up um, as, if, as if Judas is genuinely concerned, you know, about the poor, right? And... Um, you know, it, it was the account that we read, I think, just a few chapters ago, where the religious leaders had caught uh, a woman in the act of adultery, and they want to stone her, and so they come and bring it to Jesus, and say, Jesus, you know, what does the law say, 
right? They neither care for the you know, well-being of this woman, nor do they actually care about what Jesus has to say. They have an ends, you know, uh, uh, they want to entrap Jesus in his words and get him in trouble. Does that make sense? And so if you look at here, and what does Jesus say? He's continually saying, in some of the other Gospels it's more evident, you know, do not let the yeast of the Pharisees, you know, infiltrate or influence you. You guys remember that? In a lot of the other Gospels, it's not mentioned so much here, I notice here at this point, but he's continually telling the, uh, uh, his disciples, his followers, do not let the yeast of the Pharisees influence or impact. And why is that? You know, it takes just a little bit of yeast, right? When you bake bread to bring, make that effect and bring that rise. And so it doesn't take a whole lot. And that little bit of yeast, even if it's a pinch, you work it through, you work it through, eventually it makes its impact, you know, elsewhere. It makes, takes away substance, you know, makes it more fluff. Um, and so, so here you see what's going on. Judas Iscariot, one of his own disciples, one of the very people that have been walking with Jesus, what is he saying here? Here's a beautiful act of commitment, of sacrifice, dedicated unto the Lord. The Lord is blessed. The Lord is pleased. And all this person can say is, oh man, how I, why couldn't it have been used for this? Why couldn't it have been used for that? You know, that, that phrase, why couldn't it have been, why, you know, it could have been used. But we say things like that all the time in the church. Don't we? Don't we? I mean, isn't that like a weekly occurrence? Oh, why didn't PCM could have done, or resources could have been used, or what? what? And so that's fine, you know, if, if it's Holy Spirit led and there really is a prompting and, and, and God is convicting you in prayer and then you bring that up to leadership and, and whatnot. I don't want to make it so general or so broad. But, but what we have to be worried, concerned about or really careful about is that we're really genuinely seeking and pursuing the heart of God. Does that make sense? Like, God, this is, I really believe this is your heart. Oh man, I need to convey. Oftentimes it's just secondhand sort of second guessing, isn't it? Quite, quite frankly. Right? And, I, and I've been there before. I, I've been there before. Judas does not have any concern for Jesus at this point. Can't see that a beautiful act is being done. Judas really doesn't care about the poor. Right? What happened? Man, he's indignant. Somewhere along the line, he got bitter. He's unable to see the move of God direction in that Jesus... He can't receive that. He can't rejoice in that. At the same time, he, he truly has no heart. All he can see is the lines and the laws. And, and, and so this is exactly, exactly what Jesus was warning against. The yeast of the Pharisees. Somewhere along the line, or maybe it was never really cleared out in the beginning, the religious spirit had infiltrated Judas's heart. Right? And now he's saying things just like the Pharisees are saying, right? I think there's a clear indication, a clear red flag. What is going on? Somewhere there was offense. Somewhere there was bitterness. I don't know where, but somewhere. Maybe, maybe he wasn't given a responsibility that he thought maybe he was entitled to that was passed on to someone else. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, you know, at some point he realized he's not the inner three, you know, uh, Peter, James, and John. Right? I, I don't know what. I, I, you know, I, 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 there's, there's no you know, information here. Judas is, is really, it's hard to understand. But somewhere, rest assured, no doubt, whether it was something God didn't do, whether it's something that, you know, unappreciation or something, 
somewhere along the line, serving alongside Jesus, God, the Messiah, bitterness entered his heart. And you start seeing the manifestations of that. And you'll start to see the full manifestation of that where he's completely off kilter, off the rails, and, 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 and is the driving force instigating in the betrayal of Jesus himself. You got people all around him coming, not asking for anything, sacrificing to Jesus well enough just to be with him. But I think the danger is that when you have an agenda with God, Judas had an agenda. He needed something from him. And when that wasn't fulfilled in the manner or the timing that he, he you know, desired, I think bitterness set in. Does that, do you guys see that? Do you guys see how dangerous that is? Do you guys see how our hearts are susceptible to that? You know, we follow Jesus, we love him. But at some point, there's certain expectations, there's certain, uh, 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 you know, we believe we're entitled to or, or, or because I give my offering God or because I serve in some capacity that, that in some regards, somewhere along the lines, I, I don't know, we feel like we're in line and, and, and we're in line to get something from God. God owes us. And, and, you know, let this just be a word for all of us this morning, including myself. We have to check our hearts. We have to check the inventory of our souls to make sure that that does not happen. Be careful. You know, we don't have, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but we have a lot of religious people, right? Every church is filled with them, right? And, and the religious mindset, right? And, and, and I have to guard myself against that too. I have to guard my heart. We all do. Okay, don't let bitterness and offense against God or against the church, uh, uh, you know, build its roots in you. Um, and then the next thing you know, you're going to be saying things like, you know, that could have been used for something better, you know, or, or whatnot. I don't want to make it so general. Um, here, I'll close with this, okay? A couple thoughts here. <clears throat> so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Praise God, hallelujah. I would love to interview Lazarus. You know, what was it like? Uh, uh, you know, what did you see? And all that. You know, what are you going to do now, Lazarus? You know, now that you've died and come back and everyone knows you, uh, um, I'd love to know. These would be some fascinating questions, you know. Uh, um, you know, uh, are you going to go into full-time ministry? <laughs> you know, you're on borrowed time, man. You got to give your life to the Lord now in every capacity. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe the Lord said, hey, man, you know, just live your life to the fullest. And, and in everything you do, give thanks and do it to the best and do it as if you're... And maybe he went into something, I, I don't know, an incredibly uh, uh, blessed and, and, and blessed all those around him. Um, but I don't think anyone saw this. Uh, the leaders basically put his name on the list next to Jesus. We're going to get Jesus and we're going to get Lazarus. <laughs> so they're out now scheming and, uh, uh, you know, plan to put Lazarus to death. You know, verse 10. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just let that sink in a little bit. In terms of our life and our plans and our purposes. I mean, you come out from... That, man, there's nothing you cannot do, right? Imagine all the plans and things, and yet at the same time, because you're with Jesus, and because Jesus has touched you so personally, the, the devil has a radar laser beam set on your back. And so there seems to be this reminder that the closer we get to Jesus, the, the more encounters we have with God, the more desperate and the more He reveals Himself and we're filled with His anointing and filled with His blessing and filled with His calling, 
We must be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. Right? This notion that the more I'm blessed, the more easier that it gets. I think we have to break that in our thinking. Right? The more we're blessed, the more God elevates us, the more the enemy is out to get us. And I think this verse, once again, the life of a believer is a life built on sacrifices, service, uh, raising up others, um, you know, seeking for the benefit of others. And uh, Jesus really paves that way. Jesus really shows that example. And so this morning, just want to close with that. Let's bow our heads. Let me, let me read this verse you, for you guys again as we prepare our hearts uh, to respond. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This morning, I just want to leave you with a couple questions to meditate and focus on. What can you give this week or this season that is costly and precious to you? What can we surrender? What can we lay down to give to the Lord costly? What would be a year's worth you know, of, of uh, savings for you? Maybe not your whole salary, but how much do you save in a year? Right? And, and that, that, that you know, thing that we're you know, planned. What time or energy or resources that could be used for something else can you bring before the foot of the Lord to bless Him? And secondly, and I feel like there's a group of you here that the Lord, this, this, this message in this word is actually timely. I feel like there are some of you here, this is something that God has put on your heart, that you've been wrestling with, and uh, you know, me as just a messenger, you know, I just want to bring this before you. Where can you die? Where can you die to yourself? so that others may multiply, so that others may live. Where has God positioned you? What resources has he given you? What capacities? What, I mean, God's been tugging on your heart. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to highlight and confirm? Where is the Lord asking you this morning to fall to the ground like a seed and die? so that others can multiply, grow, and live. And the Lord is your reward. And the Lord is your reward. So let the Holy Spirit minister and move. Just spend that time asking those two questions. What can I give that is costly to me and precious to bless the Lord? Where can I die to myself 
and serve and sacrifice so that others may live and multiply. Let's just spend some time meditating on that this morning as we prepare to respond in worship.